Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Churches podcast, where we are committed to building irresistible bridges between the unchurched and Jesus Christ. We are so glad that you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right, we're in week two of our series called Trapped. And last week, we introduced the series, and we said we all get trapped in things all the time, don't we? And we get trapped in bad conversations, maybe in a bad relationship. We get trapped in traffic. We get trapped on an airplane as we're trying to wait for our gate to be ready. I mean, we get trapped in things all the time. Maybe you're one of those teenagers who thought, yes, I'm 17, but I can still fit in the baby swing at the park. I mean, we get trapped or stuck in things all the time. And while those can be you know, inconveniences, while those can be frustrating in the moment, over this series, we're going to be talking about three things where we get trapped in that are much more detrimental to us as people. And of course, if we're Christians, it actually, actually can be detrimental to our faith with Jesus. And last week, we talked about being trapped in fear, being trapped in fear. And we talked about how it's our imagination that often traps us. Our imagination starts to wander and think about what might happen, not what is going to happen or what is probably going to happen, but what might happen. And the example I used last week is if our kids are, are, are late coming home from, from a friend's house or from work, or maybe even our spouse is late coming home from work, often we don't think, well, there's probably a little bit of traffic today. Maybe the roads are bad and they're just being extra cautious, or maybe they had to stay a little bit longer for some reason. No, a lot of times our head goes to, they're in a ditch, they're bleeding out, you know, they're in big trouble, and I don't even know where they are, so I can't even send the ambulance to them. I mean, we're, we just our mind starts to wonder about what might happen. And we said, hey, well, how do we deal with this? How do we deal with this? Do we just, do we just hide our head in the sand and, and pretend that there's nothing bad out there? No, no, the question we asked last week and the question we wrestled with last week is, well, how do we not get trapped in fear even though there are actually things to be afraid of? So that's what we wrestled with last week. Encourage you to go back to bridgeschurches.ca and click the, uh, the on-demand section and check it out there. But we, this week, are going to dive right in, and we're going to talk about another area of our lives where we get trapped in all the time, and that's this. We are trapped in temptation. We are trapped by temptation. In fact, we all face temptation, don't we? We all face temptation. doesn't matter what your temptation is. We have all been there. We have different temptations, but one thing that unites us is that we are trapped in temptation. It might be that bag of chips or those cookies or the, 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 the cake that's, that's in our cupboard. It might be that guy or that girl. It could be that spending money on something we really can't afford. It could be something else. But we, we all get trapped in temptation. We all face temptation. But here's the thing. Here's what's interesting about temptation to me, to me. It's this. No logical person gets tempted. No logical person gets tempted. Now, you might be stopping to think for a second, well, wait a minute. You just said we all get tempted. So are you just kind of calling us, well, I won't say the word, but are you just saying we're, none of us are very logical? Or maybe you're saying you're logical, but we're not. Like, that doesn't sound very good. The fact is, I don't think we're very logical when it comes to temptation. And I can kind of prove it to you. See, if you were to look at whatever you're tempted with, whatever temptation you have, if you were to put together a pros list and a cons list, chances are you'd be able to fit a lot of items on that cons list and very little on the pros list. But yet you go, fall for that temptation all the time. 
You fall for it all the time. You never put the list together and say, yes, there's more things on the pro list. I'm going to go for that. No, we look at a pros and cons list and we go, hey, the pro list is nearly empty. The con list is full, but I'm still going to do it, right? I mean, just to give a silly example, bag of chips, bag of chips, some dip. I mean, those can be tempting, right? And I can tell you why I shouldn't have it. I can look at a bag of chips in my cupboard and go, hey, it's going to cause me to gain weight. It's not going to be healthy. Diabetes runs in my family. I mean, it's not a wise thing to have. But what do I do? In fact, what did I do last night in preparation for this message? In fact, it wasn't preparation. I just was watching some, some TV and I wanted some chips, right? That's what it came down to. I wanted some chips and I gave into it. I could have put the list together. I'm even doing this message. There's no logical reason I should have had those chips. But I did. But I did. I said, yes, I want it. And often, that's what it comes down to. We say, yeah, but I want it. Yeah, but I want it. Yeah, but I want it. Whether it's chips or cookies, you can look at it and go, hey, I know I shouldn't have it. It's not good for my health, but I'm going to have it anyway. You can look at that person that, that you've kind of been attracted to and you go, hey, I'm married. I'm going to lose my, my family. I'm going to lose my kids. I'm going to lose my, my spouse. It's not going to be good. But so many have given into that. You can go, hey, there's no logical reason I should spend money on this item. I mean, I just really can't afford it. But we do. We give into temptation all the time. Not because it's logical, simply because we want to. I follow a number of, of, of pastors and, and as, uh, listened to one podcast of this pastor and he was actually interviewing uh, a marriage counselor at one point and it was, it was kind of interesting and he actually had a number of people who, who came into his office who, had, who, had, who were dealing with an affair as a couple. One um, or both of the, couple, uh, the, the, the people in the marriage had had an affair and, and they're wrestling through and he's talking about how he deals with it and, and how he deals with it as a pastor, how he deals with it as a counselor and, and it was a really inter- interesting conversation but one of the things he said that just kind of stood out with me. He said this. He says, the only two people who think that an affair is a good idea are the two people having the affair. That's it, right? I mean, you go to your spouse and go, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. You go to your kids and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. I mean, nobody, nobody's saying, hey, go for it. I mean, your life is only going to get better if you do this. But it happens all the time. No matter what your temptation is, we can look at it logically and we can go, there's no reason for me to be doing this. We have that ability, yet somehow, somehow when it comes to us, when it's looking at our own life, somehow we lose that ability sometimes. In fact, any logical person can, can look at the temptation you're facing today and would tell you, that's a really bad idea. It's a really bad idea. There's no real reason you should be doing this because it's so easy to look at from the outside in. We can look at other people and we can go, hey, you should not be doing this. We could, we could make, map, take a piece of paper and we can map it out for them. We can say, hey, if you t- give in to this temptation, here's where it's going to lead. It's pretty obvious. I'm not imagining any much. I mean, it's pretty easy to go, this step leads to this step, leads to this step, leads to this step. And we can go, hey, if you don't give in to temptation, this is going to get better, this is going to get better, this is going to get better. And we can map it out for people. Yet somehow in our own heads, We have trouble doing this sometimes. And in our own heads, we have sometimes trouble laying out these maps because it gets a little bit more gray in our own heads. Why is that? 
Why is that when we can look at other people and go, that's a really bad idea? But when it comes to the temptation we're facing, when it comes to what we're struggling through, we choose it over and over and over again. Why? Why do we fall into temptation? Why do we fall into temptation? In fact, why do we choose what we know we shouldn't? Why do we choose what we know is just a bad idea and we should not be doing this? Why do we do it over and over and over? Because if you're anything like me, it's probably, the th- not, it's probably not the fact that you've gone to one temptation and you're like, that's a bad idea. I'm going to walk away from that. And we go to something else and we're tempted by that. And we say, that's a bad idea. I'm going to go somewhere else. And we get tempted by all these different things. For most of us, for most of us, it's the same thing that we get tempted with over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter how long we've been struggling with it. It doesn't matter how many years we've been wrestling with it. We know it's a bad idea. And yet, and yet, it is still a temptation. And yet we still want it. You see, it's not just the fact that we're trapped in temptation. I think it's something else. I think we often get trapped in the immediate. We get trapped in the immediate. We get trapped in what's right in front of us. In fact, I think Satan tempts us with the immediate. I think Satan tempts us by just putting that right there. Saying, hey, don't you want it? Don't you, don't you want it? It's that cake out on the counter. I mean, I'm not going to the store to buy the cake. I mean, it's right there. I'm not going out of my way. He said, just, just, just take it. Just take it. Satan tempts us all the time with the immediate, what's right in front of us. And there's all sorts of examples throughout Scripture we could look at to help illustrate this. There's all sorts of examples we can look at. But I want to look at the temptation of Jesus. So if you've got your Bibles, just flip over to, cha- to Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to wrestle a little bit through this. But just to give you a bit of a backstory, this happens right after Jesus is baptized. And it's a very kind of weird situation because Jesus goes to John. John's out baptizing people in the river and, and Jesus comes down and he says, hey, I want you to baptize me. He ends up baptizing Jesus. He comes out of the water and something happens that hasn't happened with anybody else John has baptized that day. All of a sudden, the, the heavens open, a dove comes down and a voice comes out of the clouds saying, hey, this is my son in him. I am well pleased. I mean, it's like God is up in heaven just kind of standing up clapping, giving him a standing ovation. He's just going, hey, this is my son and I love him. He's doing a great job. Go Jesus. And then he goes to be tempted in the wilderness. I mean, right away, after he's baptized, there's no party, there's no balloons, there's no celebration. He doesn't get to you know, hang out for a week and, and relax. And then, no, no, as soon as he is baptized, he has to go and be tempted out in the wilderness. It says, then Jesus was led by the, by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And that's just kind of a weird sentence. You ever kind of stop and think, but that's just a weird sentence. It's the fact that, that Jesus didn't just kind of go down, be baptized. Satan grabbed him and said, hey, you're coming with me. No, no. The Spirit led him by to be tempted. The Spirit led Jesus. That's weird. In fact, to me, just a little side note, this is one of the things that you find in Scripture. To me, that's just, that helps affirm that, that the author was was. Concerned about details. This wasn't something, like, if I was going to make this up, if I was just going to write a story, I mean, this is not something I would include, right? I mean, I'd go, hey, 
There's a great, uh, you know, great party happening down by the river. This guy gets baptized. You know, this amazing thing happens. The, 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 the heavens open. Light comes down. You know, there's clapping from heaven with all the angels. And then, you know, they go out and have a party. Or they go, maybe we go to the, the, the desert to be tempted. But certainly, I mean, be Satan, that, that bad guy that would take him there. No, no, the, the spirit takes him there. It's just a, a kind of an odd thing. It's just kind of an odd thing. And again, it's, to me, it helps reiterate the fact that, well, this is a true story. I mean, you just wouldn't make that up. You just wouldn't write that in. But maybe there's more to the story. It says, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I mean, thank you, Captain Obvious. I mean, that's, that kind of goes without saying, but he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Tell these stones to become bread. I mean, hey, you're hungry, right, Jesus? I mean, I can, I can hear your stomach growling. I've been listening for a few days. It's getting, it's getting pretty bad. Isn't it? Oh, there it goes right now. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. See those stones at your feet? Why don't you just, why don't you just grab one? You know, as you pick it up, just turn it into bread. And in just a second, you can have nice, warm bread in your belly. I mean, it can just fill you up and you can feel so much better, Jesus. I mean, I mean come on, Jesus. It's right there. It's just... It's, it's right there. Just, just take it. Just reach out and take it. Well, Jesus, Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but in every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, so Jesus is basically saying, there's more going on here than you're offering me. The story goes on. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. And then he quotes scripture. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. He'll let them know and they'll fly out and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. I mean, you're not even going to get hurt, Jesus. Just throw yourself off of here. I mean, listen, listen, we know why you're here. It's not just for some bread, but I mean, you're here to tell these people of Israel about the kingdom of God, right? I mean, you want to tell them what heaven is like. You want to tell them what living for God is like, right? I mean, that's why you came, right? So, so how about this? I want to give you a platform. I mean, you jump off here. You're not even going to hurt. You just jump off here. A bunch of angels. Gonna, I mean, we're at the temple. Jump off here. Bunch of angels show up. All of a sudden, people are listening to you, Jesus. I mean, come on, you've got a platform that you'll probably never have in your lifetime. I mean, you might do little miracles along the way, but I mean, you do this, you do this here, and people are going to pay attention. People are going to listen to you. Come on, Jesus. Come on. It's right there. It's right here. In a second, you've got a platform like never before. Here you go. Here you go. Well, Jesus shuts him down again. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So Satan downs down two strikes, but he does not give up. He says, Hey, hey, let's try again. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this, all this, I will give you, he said if you will bow down and worship me. See, I, okay, I get it. You're not here just for some food. You're not here just even for the people of Israel, but I'll, I'll just give you people. I mean, you came for their hearts, right? 
I mean, you want to reconcile them back to you, right? And we've been fighting over them for, for years, for generations. I'll just step back. I'll just, I'll just let you have them. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. All you have to do is bow down. Here it is, right in front of you, immediately. Don't you want it? Can't you, can't you just taste it? Take it. Just reach out and take it. Well, if you know the story, Satan gets shot down again. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Three times, three times Satan tempted Jesus with the immediate. Three times he said, it's right here. Just reach out and take it. In an instant, it's yours. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Jesus knew there was more at stake. Jesus knew there was more at stake. Jesus knew that what Satan could offer, although maybe tempting, God could do more. Satan was offering the light version, the knockoff version, the, 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 the no-name version. He was not offering the real thing. See, God came to reconcile the entire world, past, present, and future to him. He came down in bodily form in the life of Jesus and said, hey, I came for each and every one of you. I've got a big plan. And he knew that what Satan was offering him didn't stack up. It didn't stack up. And see, here's the thing. When we're facing temptation, Satan offers the immediate but God offers the exceptional. God offers the exceptional. God's not willing to just give you the light version, the no-name version, the, the cheap version. He says, no, no, I've got something better for you. But Satan makes it look all shiny. He makes it look amazing and says, hey, here you go. Don't you, don't you want it? I mean, it's right here. I don't know what that guy's going to offer, but this, this is right here. And not knowing what that guy's going to offer is a big part of the problem. You see, studies have actually found that we are impulsive because we are not good with vagueness. We're not good with the idea of what might happen and as far as getting a gift. We go, it's, it's vague. I don't, I don't know if I can actually get that. I don't know what he's actually going to offer. And this is right in front of me. I mean, just to give you kind of an example, what are you going to have for dinner tonight? You might say, oh, I'm going to have wings, or I'm going to have pizza, or I'm going to have lasagna, or I'm going to have a roasted chicken, whatever you're going to have tonight. You might have that in your head. But if I say, what knife are you going to use to cut the vegetables? Exactly what time is that dinner going in? Exactly what time is it coming out? You know, some of those smaller details are harder to come up with. That vagueness, that little bit of ambiguity caused us to go, I don't quite know. Is that, is that really real? And that's the problem is we can't see what God is offering. We can see what's right in front of us. And God may promise something better, but there's a vagueness to that. But I can see this. There's a vagueness to that, but this is right in front of me. There's a vagueness to that, but, but this is shiny and pretty. There's a vagueness to this. And that's why it's so hard for us to trust that God has something better for us, a better future, when this is right in front of us, tempting us. And Satan's going, don't you want it? 
Don't you want it? See, we are able to avoid the trap of the immediate that Satan offers when we trust that what God offers is truly better. When we trust that what God is putting in front of us and offering us is truly better. He doesn't tell us always how our lives are going to work out. He doesn't tell us that, that if you don't go down this road, your marriage is going to be better, your financial situation is going to be better. This, he, just, he just says, follow me. He says, follow me. I would argue your life will be better with Jesus. It's not going to be sunshine and roses, but, but I think if you follow what Jesus wants for your life, that your life truly will be better. But just like you, I'm tempted all the time with what's in front of me. What's in front of me. So your willingness to accept the immediate can ruin your career, it can ruin your marriage, it can ruin your family, it can ruin your health, it can ruin your future. It can ruin it all the time. Yet so often, we take that step. We take that step. We take that step down the road that could lead to destruction. They could cause us to lose the career, the marriage, the family, the health, the future. We take that step over and over and over again because it's right there and it's so tempting. It's right there and it's so tempting. It's right in front of us. My hope and my prayer is that we remember that while Satan offers the immediate, while Satan offers what's right in front of us, he goes, hey, just take it that we'd see it for what it really is. And that, God, that we realize that God offers the exceptional. That God offers something far, far better than what Satan puts in front of you. It doesn't always seem it. We're not good with the vagueness of what our future is going to look like, what our future career is going to look like, what our future marriage and our family is going to look like. We're not so good with that. But my hope and my prayer is that when we are tempted, that we would pause, that we would stop we start to think logically about it. We will look at the pros and the cons and we would say, hey, I can get why God doesn't want me to go down this road. I can get that if I follow God, I'm going to have a better road ahead of me. And that we choose the wiser decision. That we wouldn't destroy our lives with bad ideas. So the question, the question I want to leave with today is this. What immediate are you being tempted with? What's right in front of you that Satan is just whispering? Take it. Take it. Don't you, don't you want it? I mean, just, just take it. What immediate are you being tempted with today? May you realize that that is a cheap knockoff version. That that is not, that, that may satisfy for a moment. But God is offering so much more. May in those moments we realize that God has a better plan for us. And all Satan wants, all he ever wants, is to destroy us, to wreck us, to tear us apart. It doesn't seem like it when he's offering that shiny thing in front of us. But that's what he wants. May we see it for what it is. May we hate it for what it is. And may we be able to choose, I am not going to do that. I'm going to go down this path because there's something better waiting for me. 
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just, I thank you for the opportunity to, to chat about this today and wrestle through this. As we said last week, it's, it's easier to say than to do. Satan puts something shiny right in front of us all the time, that immediate. Lord, help us. Help us to know there's something better for us. Help us to realize with the, the intellect that you gave us that what Satan is offering is not of benefit whatsoever. Then that moment it might feel like, like he's going to do something great for us and in that moment it might feel like it's a good thing but ultimately just withers and dies and destroys us. Help us. Give us that vision, that clarity in those moments of temptation so we can face it strong with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If you have any questions, you're looking for ways to take your next step, please visit us on our website, bridgechurches.ca. Much love. God bless.